Welcome back to another episode of Interconnected, where we seek beauty and purpose in the interconnectedness of weird things in life. Um, This week, I talked to Michael Morgan. He's a a friend of mine. I I actually met him uh, when my wife and I were uh, doing an exhibition uh, for our business. We were just talking about robotics and and education and how we see those things uh, interconnected. Um, And, uh, you know, he, he shared about his story. He was with his kids. And we just... We just connected at a kind of a deep level, like, like really quickly, we just synced up and like, oh, man, you, you kind of see the world the same way. As we were talking, one of the things he, he brought up was gaming or video games, right, uh, and, and his passion in them and the uh, overlap between that and also education. And so he actually uh, is working on a project called Esports Academics, where him and his team, they're bringing education into video games and uh, working with schools. And so it's it's an area that, you know, a lot of us might not know about, um, and we might kind of just think video games and education is that, can that even be a thing? Um, so, you know, I thought to, hey, let's let's talk about that. Let's let's hear about his, his perspective on that. One, one thing I, I do want to say about, um, you know, professional uh, video game playing is that, you know, it, it's an area that I've kind of known about. And, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, I've kind of known that it's been growing, uh, but I'm not personally in those communities. Uh, but I did watch a documentary uh, about a year ago. And uh, one of the, the crazy stats that I learned was that the viewership of, they call it eSports, electronic gaming uh, combined with sports, was way more than the NBA. So just that stat alone is like, wow, you know, this thing is serious. This thing is here to stay. And, and so it's got this huge community. And so I think it's, it's worthwhile for us to say like, okay, let's learn a little bit more about that. And let's learn about the positive impact that is happening uh, through that community and can continue to grow through that community if we look at it with the correct uh, lens. That's kind of the, the background here. Uh, one, one last thought I want to leave with you before uh, you, you begin to listen. Um, one of the things with Michael, you know, when I, I realized and getting to know him more is that, you know, we, we both have this kind of like divergent thinking in the sense that our, our brains kind of go into all these different places uh, and then we just grab things from places and we, we see if they connect. You know, kind of just imagine it's, it's like a bunch of toys uh, on the ground and some fit and some don't, but we just want to like grab them and see if they, they fit and we want to talk and we want to think out loud. And so the, the potential challenges of, of this is like you bring up two people who, you know, think just kind of out of the box, so to speak. It could become a great conversation uh, with these great ideas and these, these, these links between things, or it could become this crazy conversation of like, nothing makes sense you know so the great thing is is that it really came together i i think and and so uh just kind of some extra fun context there so the the vision that i got the picture that i got when i was editing this episode was this idea of of just like hanging out um as we're talking as we begin the conversation our interview it's like we're just chilling 
in these inner tubes on this lake just just talking so you know nothing too deep right it's just kind of surface level but it's like we all understand it's just you know that's why we have these conversations and we call it surface levels because it's like we can understand it's not like some esoteric talk right it's just we're just connecting as humans and then further on the interview kind of dive deep a little bit so like i'm thinking of the metaphor of like deep thoughts right so it's like we dive deep a little bit and then we, we, we hang out there and we kind of see like the depth, the meat of, of esports and, and stuff. And then we kind of come back up uh, for some air and we say like, okay, yeah, like we're kind of back to baseline, like we're all good. And then we go deep again and a little deeper, right? A little deeper than the first time. And then we kind of come back for air to kind of bring it back together. And then at the end of the, uh, the episode, like Michael just takes us like super deep, like into into the abyss, into the last frontier of the depths of the lake, you know. And then and then we ultimately come come back up. So I just thought, you know, I got that picture. It actually might be helpful uh, to everyone as they listen uh, to this. So uh, those are my thoughts. Uh, I'm excited for you to to uh, just listen in and and check it out. I think I think you'll love it. All right, here we go. Excited to introduce to you guys a friend of mine. Uh, I've met him a, a while back, and uh, I want to talk about the interconnection of video games and education, and probably five other things as we talk. He's one of the most <laughs> interesting people that I've met. Uh, Michael, are you there, man? Yeah, man. Um, I um, I'm I'm here and I'm clear. <laughs> awesome. How you how you doing today? I'm great, bro. I'm really uh, happy to be a part of what you're doing here. Uh, thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. You mentioned that you have uh, three dogs, right? Yeah, man. I uh, I always joke because people always ask me how many kids I have, and yeah, I kind of take a deep breath and I say, well. I have two children. They're in kindergarten, first grade, light and glory. They're amazing. Awesome. They're the best. Awesome. And then I, uh, I have two dogs. And then that's how I used to answer before. And then there'll be a pause. And <laughs> yeah. then I'll say, um, on a good day, that's like having two kids and two dogs. <laughs> on a bad day, it's like having three and a half kids. And in a really bad day, it's like having five kids. <laughs> like, wait, it went from how to go from four to five. Just because the amount of damage that a, a havoc wreaking dog can cause in your household yeah. will basically up the amount of children from two to five very quickly. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I can now say I have two dogs, two kids, and a puppy dog. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, I haven't figured out how to quantify the damage. I'll have to talk to my home insurer on that one. <laughs> <laughs> with the puppy, with the new with one? With the puppy, man. But, um, you know, it's amazing. Dogs are so awesome. And they're like literally man's best friend. Um, and you just realize it's all worth it, man. You learn to plan better. You learn to organize better. You learn to move your wires out of the way. Um, I did have a Nintendo Switch controller, plug-in controller. Uh-huh. Rested soul, man. Got taken out <laughs> by the puppy. I have the evidence to prove it. I can show you a, a severed wire that almost made me cry. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I was imagining the dog tripped over it. but No, it, man. Chewed, just chewed just, it or? just decimated it with its little baby puppy teeth <laughs> oh. and that that's my backup controller because if anyone anyone who has a switch understands that the the battery life on the switch controllers is not good so you always want to have a backup and you know honestly just as a um as speaking uh, as a parent uh yeah. and a gamer right i, I don't yeah. think there's a very large voice for mm. moms and dads who are in gaming 
you know, I think there's been this traditional narrative of the parents are just, they're, they're just the parents of the kids who game a lot and then don't like video games, right? That's such a, yeah. like an old school perspective. But for me, like, yeah. I love video games. And so I've got a son who's in kindergarten and like, he's already streaming. He plays Spider-Man. He's streamed on Twitch. Yeah, I've um, seen some of the seen some of the videos. I can hear both yeah, so, of you guys and and your freestyling, right? Dude, right on. So I say like glory until you can learn to become as verbally gymnastified as I am <laughs> yeah, yeah. with uh, with the human language of English. You know, why don't you just play Spider Man and then I'll rap about everything that you're doing, including ah. some vocabulary words that we're um, we're kind of pioneering in a uh, middle school high school program for the group that I work with. Yeah. And uh, so he plays and he fights bad guys and just totally rocks it. And um, <laughs> I went on to stream the other day on Twitch and uh, they had this kid join and he's like, man, you're like really, really dope with your flow. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. Um, <laughs> you know, like, what do you like to do? And it was cool because, you know, he was the only person that joined my stream. I'm like, I'm not a big name guy. I've just started like literally a week ago. Yeah, and yeah. I could just tell that in those 20 minutes that I just engaged with this guy, like I'm rapping and then I'm like, Hey, what's up? Where do you live? What do you do? Da, da, da. Like this guy was so searching. It's funny. The name of your podcast, he was so searching for interconnection, man. Mm. He was so mm. desperate for connection. And I'm sure, you know, he could hop on a major streamers channel and not ever be able to be, feel like he's heard or, or talked to. And so as there's more people with more diverse backgrounds who are entering into uh, gaming and esports and streaming, you know, there's going to be more space, not just for those people's voices, but for other people, the, the listeners, the audience themselves to actually feel heard and accepted, mm -hmm. appreciated and loved. Like how many kindergartners are out there? There's, there's some, my son's <laughs> one of them. And yeah, you've yeah. got to have the parent's connection into that because we're living in a world where everyone is so intensely connected to mobile media, to their phones, to everything. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's awesome, bro. And and that's a great reminder and encouragement these days because, yeah, if you're not, you know, one of the Twitchers or, or whoever, whatever <laughs> platform with a bunch of followers, right, you might feel like, what's the point, you know? Um, mm -hmm. but, but like you said, you made a difference to that one kid that came on right? Yeah. Speaking, yeah. It was awesome, words, man. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> wow, I felt like I made a difference. And that's mm -hmm. something that we all need. That's something that feeds uh, a level of innate human nature of uh, not just connecting, but feeling purposeful in that connection. Um, especially when you're feeling like you're making someone else's life better, or you're just enriching their day, or you're kind of just giving them a like a digital high five, you know? Yeah, like yeah, there you go. That can yeah. go a long, long way. Yeah. So esports academics, right? It's what it's what the project that you're working on the company. Uh, it sounds like to me as we're talking that there's the esports part, which is that gaming and combining with sports. I want to talk about that a little bit, but also the academic side. I see that it's not just you know learning vocab, but I hear something about you know character building, the emotional learning, things like mm -hmm. that. Um, would you say that's part of the heart of, of esports academics? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one of the founders who brought me on board to support their initiatives is uh, George Cork. He lives mm -hmm. in uh, the UK and mm -hmm. he teaches uh, in 
Canada, actually, at a university there. He teaches esports, and his background is professional gaming, so he brings that wealth of um, experience. And uh, he is just uh, got a heart for really keeping the academics alive, keeping the academics, I would say, primary when it comes mm. to the activity of esports. Anyone can play games, and I think yeah. it's incredible for people who play at top of their field, whether that's professional soccer, whether that's um, League of Legends, um, doesn't matter if you're a gamer, whether that's chess. Um, and I think it is very interesting that they're now signing chess players to professional esports teams. Really? Um, yeah, one of the huh. one of the most sort of successful uh, chess players just got signed to um, it's either Phase Clan or Hundred Thieves, but there, you know, this is a guy who when he when he streams himself playing chess, he's got like seventy thousand people watching him. Yeah, and yeah. Um, he he's I think his tournament wins from last year were close to half a million dollars just playing chess. Wow, chess is a great just a great example of where intellect and where strategy and where wisdom really are front and center in mm -hmm. a very limited matrix of possibility. It's like yeah. you got this many chess pieces, these are the ways they can move and you got a you got a timing element and that's how it is. I think that's a skill that any educator, any principal of any school or teacher in any school district would say, yeah, I would love to see my students get good at chess. Mm -hmm. um, so we can start there. And then we can work backwards and say, okay, so what about um, getting really good at at playing a game called like Rocket League, where you're flying around in these giant uh, vehicles playing a giant soccer match, basically, or yeah. um, even first player games like Spider-Man 2, Miles Morales, which yeah. has a wealth, and even the original Spider-Man. Mm. And that game is full of puzzles that are essentially math they're just math problems. They're math mm. equations. I'm my son is in kindergarten. He's solving these puzzles. He's literally <laughs> doing like advanced math that he probably shouldn't be doing for years, but he knows how to do it because of the gamification of it in this game of Spider-Man and Peter Parker helping Dr. Octavius in the laboratory. And um, it's it's awesome. So uh, that's one component of it, which I think is is important. You yeah. also mentioned, you know, maybe some other elements here like teamwork and leadership. And this is where we enter into what I would call like as esports, not to be like too meta about it all, but it's like um it's like esports 2.0 type of stuff or like esports like personal development or esports mm. like mm. team development, leadership development. I think leadership is a good way to frame it because you have like leading oneself or being a wise leader. And there's stuff that goes back all the way from Lao Tzu and the um, art of war uh, to modern day folks like, you know, Tony Robbins or, you know, whoever else. And so they're well known for helping people develop their knowledge, their self-knowledge, their self-awareness and to be strong leaders. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's an element of that where, we need to support professional personal development in gamers for sure. Yeah. Um, we should do that relevantly and contextually so that they're not pushing back or feeling experimented on or any of that. But the second piece is the team development and the team leadership skills. The most important development within esports and the the only reason why it's called esports. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm gonna blow some minds for a second here. So <laughs> let me let me tangent yeah. rocket here. Yeah. So I played video games professionally, mm -hmm. literally at 16 years old. 
I'm 15 years old. And when I did, the term esports did not exist at all. Mm. Uh, All you heard was gaming, professional gaming. That's literally it. And I mean, I went to world championships, tournaments uh, where that had competitors from all over the world. And no one worked within a team. Everyone was always sort of on their own for the exception of one game Mm. that was called Battlefield 2. And in Battlefield, which still exists today in different iterations, you had uh, I was I was actually in like a world class tournament. We were in we were uh, in the semifinals, our team, and I played wow. the commander role, which means like you be, get to look over the entire map, and you see the artillery player, you see the medic player, you see the sniper player, you can see where they're all located on the map, and you are the only one who can see what's happening in the larger perspective so it's your job to communicate hey guys like an artillery drop is going to happen near you they're going to shell you like get out of there you're the only person who knows that information and it's your job to make sure people don't die (laughs) really and like you know we we've all seen movies like saving private ryan and everything else playing the game can feel as intense as that movie like it's your job if you're the commander to to do that. And so do you think that that requires strong leadership skills and the ability to get people to do what you're telling them to do? I mean, if right, people don't respect right. you, if people don't like you, if people, if you, you know, insulted someone before the game and for the match and they're still holding that grudge, then, you know, they may just die on purpose just to like make you look bad. These are yeah. things that happen where all of this becomes interconnected that yeah. now with the new generation of esports whether that's counter-strike uh whether that's call of duty whether that's league of legends i mean this stuff has now grown enormously in terms of the intricacy and the complexity of how all that works and mm-hmm. it's gotten to the point of where these companies that run esports teams uh some of them are professional sports teams owned by major sports franchises that you and I would know, uh, yeah. like the Dallas Mavericks, yeah, uh, I, I, Philadelphia uh, 76ers, just folks like that who own major companies, they're now paying for esports. And so they're now paying for companies. Uh, one of those companies is called G-Science. And they're bringing in outside consultants to try to figure out how these players can be better. And uh, they're trying to figure it out from a scientific standpoint. These types of things are what would be far more effective than having to spend tons of money once these kids are already in the professional world at in their early 20s or whatever, even in their yeah. like late teens. Why don't we start with a um, mindset around um, leadership development, around teamwork, around uh, you know having a set of key performance indicators, KPIs, on how to do this and start to actually embed these in classical high school and middle school education. So that way everybody's benefiting. You're getting students when they're, um, you know, they're young, they're still developing minds, but more importantly, it's contextual and shows the value of video games because video games are simply a vessel. They're simply a platform to really teach life skills, leadership skills, professional and personal development skills yeah all right here at, at a young age interesting okay i think i this is i just kind of saw this parabola or this kind of thing so just that you've okay when you were you said like a teenager right 
and you mm-hmm. were you were a professional gamer, but esports wasn't wasn't a term yet, mm-hmm. right? Right. So what what year was that about? Like when esports wasn't there yet, Man, but it was professional uh, that was gaming. like two thousand three, two thousand four. That's when I was playing. Um, okay. And then I think esports became a thing. Yeah. Uh, I would probably say uh, probably like as 20, 2013, 2014. It was basically 10 years. It was basically a full decade after I was doing what I was doing. Cool. So back then, so you, when you're 14, 15, playing the games, it sounds like they probably weren't thinking that deep about it. They were just like, it's it's professional gaming, and but they weren't thinking like the team element, the character building yet, or, or were there conversations already at that time? Oh, great question. I mean, the, uh, fighting games were really big then. Um, okay. There's some crazy videos. Um, there's a Street Fighter Alpha 3 video. Uh-huh. with like this with this amazing final match and uh i mean it's just amazing if you watch this video <laughs> it's like um the the one professional player is literally has a, a sliver of life left There's okay a no, sliver okay this guy yeah. has no shot and yeah. he, they're all laughing like oh you're dead da, 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 da. and then yeah. this other player starts just throwing moves at him boom boom this guy parries meaning like you know reverses every uh-huh. single attack Huh? given to him which in order to parry you have to press the block and then parry button like within a uh 132nd of a of a of a of a second in order to successfully parry this guy parries every single move and then ba 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 knock the guy out it it's like it was it's an incredible thing to watch just incredible yeah yeah and wow. you're like okay well what is this teaching me that is right, teaching right. you perseverance. It's teaching you mm. diligence. It's teaching you boldness. It's teaching you never give up. Like, and you <laughs> can just leave that video. You could show that video to any kid on the face of the earth. Oh wow, and you're right. They would understand, like, what that video says. You don't have to like be a teacher. You don't have to write it on a chalkboard or a whiteboard or anything. You just show them that video. Just show that them. video yeah. says it all. Never give up. Period. Okay, so that's that's awesome. But and and also, you know, I want to ask this for you. You know, I know that you're, you know, you've you've done a lot of things in your life and now you have this uh, education company that's in esports. But back then, your 14, 15 year old, year old self, did you see this already that you were kind of gaining some life experience, some some uh, education from it or were you just playing at the time? Yeah, great question. Um no, I mean, I'm going to be super honest with you. Yeah. I was um I was going through a a healing of like traumatic experiences that I had had Uh in other team settings or other group settings with my peers, Uh um, which I'm, I'm sure something maybe we can all relate to, but I had a really horrible time in an AYSO soccer league growing up as Mm. like a Mm. third grader. Mm. And um, it, it soured my whole experience on sports and around sports and with sports for the, for really my whole life until I I realized what had happened there. Um, and I had a really difficult time. I was, um, I was a professional actor at 12 years old. So I was on set. I was making money that none of my other peers were making. And I was you yeah. know, running from interview to interview to interview. And um, so mm. many things for a 14, 15-year-old kid to be dealing with. Going into yeah. casting offices and having adults ask you questions and kind of like you know, sizing you up all the time. And so yeah. I, I really left Hollywood. And um, I, I joke, but I don't joke when I speak directly to other gamers um, that gaming like saved me, you know, mm. gaming like saved my life. 
because Hollywood had become so like just toxic and destructive that um, I really needed something else. And so to go from where there was such hyper competition between um, looks, you know, everyone who had a certain look, you saw the same kids at the same casting offices over and over and <laughs> right, knew when they right. would get the role and you knew when you wouldn't. I mean, I've, I've, I've probably dealt with a, re- a, a lifetime of rejection and failure mm-hmm. by the time yeah. I was like 16 years old. I, mm-hmm. I dealt with an, a lifetime of that rejection. I mean, imagine wow. you go on 20 auditions a week and you might get one, you might get one a month. So yeah. like that was, yeah. um, that's a lot to process. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but it's also like, you know, that's, that can be dangerous if you don't have the proper support structure, you don't have the proper techniques for processing yeah. those types of things. And so what video games allowed me to do is uh, they gave me more of a structure for processing failure, honestly. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. It wasn't that's about good. winning all the time. It was actually yeah. a structure and a community to process my failure in. Wow. And, and this is sounds like this is something you're cognizant of at, at that time. Like it was kind no, of, it sounds like. No, absolutely. No, no, no? I wanted okay. to win everything all the time. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I got angry when I didn't win. And okay. I would yeah. imagine, uh, Ed, that a lot of kids, maybe some are listening to this podcast right now, they are like caught up in this cycle of wanting to win, being the best, um, yeah. hyper competition. Yeah. And um, they're not even aware of how to process or the need to process through every one of those experiences. Hmm. Um, and it, it, it is necessary to figure out a way to do that. And yeah. so esports teams, teams themselves are ways to do that because now every win and every loss is economically measurable, right? Right. Oh, I know how many games I won because I'm sitting on like fat stacks of cash at the end of the year (laughs) and I got to pay taxes on that. (laughs) (laughs) And so you're going to learn a lot really quick, right? As a, as a 16 year old kid. Um, and you're going to want to have people around you to help you with that. But even if you're not making a lot of money, you're still having to go through this process. And so esports academics supplies a, like almost like a, a support system in that way to help teachers and even parents understand the mindset that some of these these students who are gaming are going through mm-hmm. and it equips them to be better to help these students process to help these students develop to help these students grow and not um, numb themselves or not shut off or not internalize all of that mm-hmm. in an unhealthy way Wow. Thank you, man. You kind of just bring me back, you know, I said the word parabola, right? Like this mm-hmm. kind of thing where I see where <laughs> it started when you're 14, 15, and it was just your professional game, you're really good at it. And, and then you're doing your thing. But then as things evolve, it became an, a team thing with the battlefield two, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then you have uh, the, the professional development thing. And then people have careers now, like doing it. So that's like, I kind of see it, it's going up like that. And then, hmm. and then you kind of see, like, as you're describing in this, even this story of learning how to process failure, paying the taxes and all that, right? You would have to deal with all that when you're in industry, right? I mean, yeah. we, we all have jobs and different things and, and, you know, we have to learn how to work with money and process failure, you know, amongst other things, but definitely those are two things, right? Um, and then what we see is, you know, inside this realm of gaming, there 
there are things that we can learn from it. And it kind of shows its head later on, right? In the kind mm-hmm. of the, the peak of it. And then we take that and we say like, wow, there could there's some good stuff here. Let's take it and bring it back down. So that's why the parabola, like going back down to to the high school, to to the middle school, and even younger to kindergarten, right? Whereas like we can, there's actually positive things we can learn here. And so it's kind of like we see the light at the end of the tunnel, then we take that light that we saw at the end of the tunnel and then bring it down to uh, the beginning to, to the younger mm. kids to set them the right way and so that's kind of what does it make sense you kind of see that yeah oh yeah man that's a powerful parabola image i'm gonna <laughs> jot that down thanks man. um no it's, it's really good the other component with that when it comes to like middle school and high school yeah is the awareness that these are students who either you know want to go to college or they want to work professionally immediately after graduating high school or they yeah. want to go and get a degree and then work professionally. And a lot of students, I think there's surveys that say I mean, like 75% of all people who play video games wish that they had a career in video games. Okay. So um, that's a big number. Yeah. And yeah. right now there just isn't a, you know, a real educational system set up for like career technical education that mainstreams and streamlines all of that. Um, so esports education and esports academics has done in this way that we're sort of feeling out because we're also working between the UK, between the United States and Canada. And yeah. these all have different standards and stuff in their school systems. Yeah. But we want to say, what does it take to help streamline a student at the high school level to get them you know, ready for a career and a job in, in video game design, video game development? All of these things, really, it's almost like what Hollywood was 20 years ago is where esports and video games are going in the next 10 to 20 years. Mm. Um, So having students who have all of that uh, ability, and that includes computer programming, that includes STEM subjects, and um, that includes potentially robotics, right? Like all these things that um, are coming into play and just needing to help everyone at the table understand uh, what is necessary, what's required for student success and um, helping students just get and and achieving their goals. That's another element of what esports academics does as well. Yeah, this term of yeah career and technical education, I'm familiar with that one, right? And so for those you know who aren't familiar, it's basically this area of education where we focus on career, like a future job, and then those technical skills that would help you uh, in that potential career, right? And um, I, I hear what you're saying in that, you know, is that the stat is that uh, 75% of kids who play video games want to have a career in it? They is that wanna, what you said? They want to get paid to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so right now I'm guessing at a lot of schools, there's no esports class. Um, is, that, or would you say it's common or no? Or, okay, okay. There's no. <laughs> and, then, and then for esports academics then, and you guys trying to, to support that, you know, what has been the response from uh, teachers, administrators, like, hey, this is our vision. Like, you know, kids, are looking at esports as a potential career and it is a viable thing and it's growing we'd like to support that are people kind of like like my parents who are like gaming and education they don't they don't mix right it's like ed stop playing that game and study your math right it's it it seems like a binary thing like Mm. back in the day right Mm. 
or so I could see if you're really old school, you're kind of like, no, nah, they're they're different, or are, are kind of people more open and kind of see the mm. educational value in it. Good question. I mean, some of the questions we get from educators, principals of school di- schools and yeah. uh, administrators in the school districts, they're, they're, they sort of follow along those lines. The first is, well, is this computer science, right? Mm-hmm. Is okay. this yeah. computer science? Uh, I would say yes. Now, let's expand our concept of computer science mm-hmm. and come to understand that every computer scientist is a debugger, right? Every mm-hmm. programmer has to know how to debug. They have mm-hmm. to know the error that that the errors that are coming up in their programming. So right. uh, I, you can look at video game playing as a form of like um, what they call in the game industry QA, which is uh, quality assurance. It's uh-huh. just testing games. You have professional teams of people who get paid to play video games. That's their job, and they get paid well, and then they move up and become managers and can move up through corporate structures and make a lot of money that way. And people ask, well, how did you start your job? Oh, I just, I got paid to play video games. Mm -hmm. That's a very real, every single game publisher requires quality assurance workers, period. So that's one um, where you can kind of directly help people understand like, yeah, you could be a computer programmer. You can code in Unity. You can use Unreal Engine to build these games. You could be a super incredible programmer um, that's one aspect of being a video game maker, um, yeah. but it's not the only one. There are so mm. many other people on set who help to make that happen, just like in a Hollywood production. You you have so many people who are making great money in within unions and Teamsters and stuff like that. Well, they're not like professionally trained actors, right? There's like, yeah. there's boom people, there's PAs, there's uh, directors, uh, director's assistants, there's makeup artists, there's everything. I mean, literally, I just was going through something. I have a friend of mine and a, and a wonderful guy who runs a um, the largest film training program in all of Western Africa and really all of the continent oh, wow. of Africa. Wow. And in doing so, um, he has been doing this for 10 years and is starting to expand their uh, curriculum into animation, 3D graphics, VFX, visual effects, right? All these things. And one of the things that he was telling me is that they're having these like huge transformations within the film industry and within what they call entertainment uh, abroad because the definition of what entertainment is is so rapidly transforming, right? Right, and so right. one of those was basically saying that the visual and special effects account for 84% of the hired talent on the top grossing films in the global market. 84%. Wow. 84%. So, you know, you no yeah. one stays for the credits anymore, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like right. watch a movie like Black Panther, watch a movie like Tenant, watch a movie like um, I mean, they're coming out with the new avatars. The first, the, the first avatar movie was the first to really do this. They, they blow up the credits with visual effects, animators and designers. So that literally 84% of the entire cast and crew are focused on 3d graphics animation, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. incredible. That's and so crazy. how many high schools have anything comparative to that? to help their students learn animation and visual effects. Yeah. So what this company, Del York Creative Academy is doing is they're building this infrastructure for the entire continent of Africa. 
to lift up um, particularly female animators because women who are involved in that industry, it's so, it's so sparse. Um, They're doing an incredible good in that way that, you know, they're saying, Hey, here's a problem and we're going to solve this problem. We're going to start to empower these women within the field of animation and VFX. And then I, I would actually say that there's something very similar that, esports academics is trying to do in their own way by empowering students in these certain sectors to think of themselves uh, to be empowered in this way of creating and basically seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for what could be just a, a pastime, a hobby that doesn't go anywhere. You were mentioning earlier the binary, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, like we... <laughs> If our parents teach us that video games belong outside of this part of who we are, yeah, professional yeah. identity or even creative identity, yeah. then we're going to pass that on to generations to come right. and to right. remain a binary system. Right. What we're trying to do here, I think, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably at the front of the, <laughs> probably at the front of the line, <laughs> is we're trying to integrate all of this for a more holistic model. I, I saw, I was looking through your website and great website, by the way, love it, you know, oh, just clear what you guys are doing. And then I love the one that this is esports. I think it's some kind of like a, you know, a few numbers, right? And then it's like how, how popular esports is. And it's like number of companies doing education in esports. And I think the number is one, <laughs> right? Yeah, there may be Did a I get that right? three. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, that they're, they're maybe that's. It's it's less than ten, sounds yeah, like for sure. Um, so, but but I love that. You know, I was like, oh, I get what they do, and I see that it's it's kind of this new thing. And but you see the potential in it, and you see the the impact on lives. Like even going back to your uh, just just encouraging that kid on your Twitch uh, session, right? Mm. Um, like like what I'm seeing is that for something new, like what are the things that are preventing this esports career technical education from becoming a mainstream thing, right? When I ask myself and as we're talking, I see kind of two things, maybe more, but I want to kind of, if you had to pick one or two, what would you say? So I see one of them is that if adults don't see it as a viable thing, like you can actually make a career, make money from it long-term, I could see adults are like, nah, that's not, that's not a career, right? And I've heard that, especially like, you know, my parents' generation, they're like, a lot of things are like, no, it's not a career, but things, things have changed, right? Over the past 20 years, a lot has changed. Another one would be like, maybe, maybe like, oh, the educational value, there's, it's, there's no educational value there. It's just fun. So that could kind of be a hurdle, at least getting into schools and having them adopt it. Um, Would you add a couple more? Do you think those are kind of like the main (laughs) hurdles? No, those are, I mean, those are real for sure. Um, I think the corporatization of esports and basically just like locking people out through a hierarchical system where it's actually in the, it's in the best interest of those corporations to not educate people. Right. Mm -hmm. That's like Mm -hmm. an unfortunate and sad truth. Mm -hmm. Um, but ignorance, Mm -hmm. they say ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. But in this case, like keeping the talent pool ignorant of a lot of things is uh is better for the bottom dollar Mm. and so that's not good we don't want that um i think keeping things isolated and not connected uh so basically like what we want to do is we want to have everyone interconnect from students teachers administrators faculty members 
keep keep it with me here parents yeah yeah um, yeah college yeah. admissions people um career technical education experts in each school district and then so that's the education side mm-hmm. and then boom flip it over to the game publisher companies riot games blizzard activision ea psionics like then bring those people over to say hey here is your future batch of incredible employees yeah yeah. and um we want them to get a sense of what it's like from your standpoint as a game publisher right now then keep moving with me into the next silo of all professional game companies so you have the los angeles sentinels and they play um uh, overwatch they're one of the overwatch teams you have now phase clan 100 thieves they're playing within valorant csgo call of duty they have all they have you know special teams uh for every one of those sort of games and then you know they're now scouting for talent they've got people on their staff who get paid to be data analysts to go through game data and to look at what moves were made properly what moves were made incorrectly like that's a there's this is a huge industry then you got the venue people let's keep moving right yeah the 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 venues you've got the arenas the people who run the arenas the ticket sellers you've got you've got people who are buying tickets to world championships um you've got people who are the branding the merchandise people you got louis vuitton sponsoring uh the league of legends world cup you've got lexus uh, you've like, it's just incredible. Uh, I'm sorry, not, well, Lexus probably has sponsored something, but, um, Mercedes Benz sponsored the League of Legends championship. And just by doing so their yeah. the awareness of their brand in China ended up increasing their sales on the, in the Chinese market, like by 40% in a single year, just wow, by, by, by sponsoring associated with the League of Legends world championships. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a massive opportunity there for brands. Um, so you can see how we went from a school district yeah. to like boom, all the way. And now it, even to investment banks and celebrities that are putting money into professional esports teams. So so I see I see your your this whole ecosystem ecosystem you're describing, ecosystem. right? It's a galaxy, really. Yeah. Yeah. And so we we wanna be a voice, we wanna be an ambassador. And yet we also want to be an advocate for mm-hmm. the, the kids at the bottom, for the students who are starry-eyed middle schoolers, high schoolers, and are thinking to themselves, wow, you know, could this ever be me? Um, and certainly there are issues of equality there. Certainly there are issues of socioeconomic equality or inequality that play into this. Who gets mm-hmm. to become a professional gamer, you know? Yeah. Um, and who gets that shot and why do they get that shot? And um, why not just be satisfied with learning really great lessons and being really good in the field that you're in and in the school district that you're in, just like high school sports, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, high school sports are such a, a node, such a central part of many students' high school careers. Yeah. And then yeah. they goes on to they don't go on to become professional sports players, right? They don't they don't right. join the NFL. Right, right. I'm sure the number there is like what, you know, less than 2%. Pretty pretty low, yeah. But what if we thought of that same opportunity that students have to play high school football, high school basketball, in the same way that they have an opportunity to play high school esports? 
Yeah, you know, I, as you say that, I think it's kind of a widespread belief that when people talk about sports and teamwork, character building, that it's it's that there's you know positive characteristics there, that there's benefit there for kids to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see now, as is you know, th- through our throughout our conversation, that esports offers those same things, and I can see that what you're trying to do is trying to just share that message a little bit, right? We have the teachers who are kind of like, do we bring this in or not? When you talk to parents, do a lot of parents kind of see what you're saying, saying, or see what you're seeing as well, or or do do you find that most parents are like, I'm I'm not sure about that. I think it's binary. I mean, yeah, I think in in your parabola metaphor here, maybe we can like we've gone from one end all the way to the heights of the heights, which is like yeah. the Louis Vuitton sponsors, right? Yeah. Um, we're gonna come back down the parabola. Okay, at the end of the day, you have a screen and a game player that's the other end of the parabola right right at its at its root and that comes to the issue something that i'm really passionate about that i was was literally like trained in when i was in my master's program at usc by a former mit media lab scholar and really amazing dude who talked about new media literacies so we've had for ever within our educational formats, reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? Yeah. That's the way it's been since Huck Finn. It's like all (laughs) the way back then. But now we have these screens, we have this media that we have to deal with. And so how are we, how are parents, how do parents even engage with the media that their students are consuming and connecting with on the screen? That I think is a way way bigger, super important question that is at the core of what esports can be or can become. But we can't have healthy esports ecosystem like we were discussing without a healthy relationship between users and media. And Mm. so being aware of um, so much within media, whether that's um, the aspect of collective intelligence, um, distributed cognition, visualization, how all these things come into play, simulation. There's basically four C's that that really wrap everything together and it's connection, collaboration, circulation, and creation. Mm. And so how all these things that we're doing kind of fit into what it means to be a, a media consumer or a, you know, just someone who has a screen in front of them. These are the larger questions that that need real support academically or through the academic systems that we have. And in as those problems get solved and as those conversations happen, I think some huge stuff is going to come out for esports as well. Yeah. Thank you, man. I see it. At the end of the day, it's someone doing something on the screen. And so like what's going on internally in their in their mind and their heart as they're interfacing with the screen and then as well as a. Uh, when they're interfacing with someone else who's on another screen, right? What's going on in those relationships? What are the conversations that are being had both internally and then with each other? It sounds like, you know, just starting there, right? Making sure those, those things are healthy. Those things are strong. Those things are positive. That's, that's what we've got to, what we've got to build and we've got to build it together. You know, we're just one group of people out there who see a need in this area. And I think, um, you know, we need, all the support we can get, whether that's uh, overtly and that's something that contributes to the work that we do within schools or whether that's just your own lives and 
how you think more deeply and how people begin to think more deeply about their relationship with games, media, uh, content, and their, the interconnection that those things bring them into with others. I think those are the larger pieces. And, you know, there's some way deeper questions here that I think would skirt um, the realms of science, uh, of health and medicine, and mm. even things like theology and philosophy and mm. neuroscience that people are, you know, I think, again, they largely don't think of those things when they think of video games. No, but, no. yeah, but we should, we should, we should really allow esports to be a can opener, so to speak, for all these other things to start to come into come into play with each other. Yeah, awesome stuff. Well, Michael, I'm, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. You know, I, I can tell that you you see deeply into into the area of esports, um, and it's deeper than beating that guy on Street Fighter or whatever it may be, right? Um, Although, when done when done in a cinematic way, Street uh -huh. Fighter matches can be incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it can really, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, just like a boxing match or whatever, you know, like sports help us, yeah, bring language to the human story, and yeah. um, it, it can be such a powerful metaphor of even world creating. How does world creating, what does it feel like to be a world creator? If you were gonna create a world out of scratch, what would you create first? Yeah. You know, what would your first words be? This has been a, a, a telltale age old question from the guys who helped develop the nuclear bomb for the purpose of destruction. They quoted from uh, the Vedas and they quoted from uh, supposedly the, the words of of Shiva saying, I am the creator and I am a destroyer. Mm. You have, um, you know, other forms of creation and world building that we're all familiar with words like let there be light and there yeah. was light. And so when you know that these are the way that things are being developed, we have considered ourselves as humans to be observers of that type of creation. Well, now in the 21st century, we can actually co-create, we can participate in the development of worlds. And yeah. how do we want to make those worlds? Do we want to make them after our own image? After our own, you know, reflecting our own habits and and behaviors and thoughts? Or do we want to make them more flawless, more perfect, uh, less, you know, prone to error? These yeah. are the things that we're now tackling with uh, and some of us are tackling it at 12, 13, 14 years old. Mm. So this is a, a real need for there to be some serious consideration. I mean, we're, we're coming in the Christmas season or coming in yeah. the Hanukkah season. Hanukkah does a beautiful job of reminding those who observe it every night. They light a new light. Yeah. And it's the festival of lights. Yeah. And so they feel like the oil is, you know, there's enough oil to light this beautiful light. You know, we've got the, the birth of, of Jesus who, you know, the three wise men came to him from super far away and they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, gold could represent science. Frankincense could represent a form of, you know, religious ritual. And myrrh could represent medicine because it's used in medicines. Mm -hmm. So, you know, take that, extrapolate that metaphor to think about science, theology, medicine, and the role that they played at the coming of Christ. Um, yeah. These are things that video games can help us go deeper into and uh, including a new video game that's going to come out in January called 
I am Jesus Christ. It's a VR game where yeah. you get to play as Jesus. Can you believe it? <laughs> that's interesting. No, I, I, yeah, that's crazy. Man, it's going to yeah. be in VR. So yeah. it's like, you know, these types of games where they're really testing the limits of, of our own consciousness of what's possible for us. These are the things, man, that just, they make me excited. And yeah. um, they, there's nothing that's untouched by this new wave of development and innovation. And I'm super excited. I've been able to talk with you about it. And I'm really grateful for it too, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. So there you go, guys. This is Michael Morgan. He's a gamer, entrepreneur, educator, parent, and a philosopher as well. Man, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, you know, thanks for your time. Um, before I let you go, you know, if you're a, a parent who wants to talk, learn a little bit more about this, kind of like what they heard something that kind of piqued their interest, or if you're an educator who kind of is like, hey, maybe we could bring this into our, our school, or even just a fellow gamer that's like, I kind of like what Michael is talking about, uh, gaming and life. Um, how, how can people find you? Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, you can find me on Twitch. My name is Ness DJ. Uh, letter D, letter J. You can find me. Um, I'll just throw you my email address. Yeah. It's four squared plus at protonmail.com. Four is the number four squared, S Q U A R E D plus at protonmail.com. And um, yeah, there's websites and stuff that I have, like my Vimeo, but um, you know, it's nice to just reach out and hear directly from people. So yeah. I would love to be able to have more conversations. If you're a parent and you, you know, have concerns about your kid, how much video game time they're they're playing, or you're a teacher who sees, you know, opportunity to support your students and doing what they love and bringing an element of intellectual development to it um, or otherwise would definitely love to have those conversations. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. Thank you, brother. It's been, it's been fun. Dude, it's been awesome, man. Keep up, keep on the Barnabasin. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right, see you later. All right, bye. Bye.